What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another solo episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on December 28th. Like we said, we would to recap the previous SEMO game and to preview tomorrow in the continuation of Valley play full speed ahead now for the rest of the way until probably mid-March if you want to play some postseason ball. Every other team from here on out will be in the Missouri Valley Conference. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. I will talk about that SEMO game, which we which we barely got by with last Wednesday. Uh, a couple takeaways from that, short takeaways from that from that win. Every Valley team, what they had you know done on that day and the day after, because nobody had been playing until tonight, actually. I'll get into those games as well. Some more big injury news in the Valley I'll talk about. Uh, uh, an alumni, or obviously one of the transferred, an alumni got a pro agency opportunity. I'll dive into that. Some other small stuff of separate things, as in the NBC probabilities from Matt Hackman. He still has those up. I'll just look at those. And then Rocco Miller's updated top 60 of, of uh, non-Power 6. Um, and I'll talk about those Valley games. And then I'll have a pretty big preview. I'll compare and contrast stats between Murray State and us. And I think from here on out, we'll try to do it. Before every matchup, and even whenever we play, because we don't play everybody twice, uh, play 10 teams twice, so then we will dive into uh, dive into those updated as time goes on. <clears throat> like I said, we'll try to compare, because we kind of do that anyway, but way more stats, and we'll talk about what the team we're playing is good at and bad at and what SIU could take advantage of. So I'll get into a lot of that, along with our dogs of the game, and some other things with that re or with that preview. So hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Uh, even through the Midwest here, I think all around the country, it's kind of chaos uh, nature-wise around the country itself. But frigid temperatures and snow here in the Midwest, been fighting through that. Uh, got some days off from work recently, so it was nice, but. Uh, Definitely treacherous, to say the least, for a lot of people. So, we honestly wasn't expecting all that in December. <clears throat> Definitely more in, like, next month in February. And I'm sure we'll see more of it, but I guess we just got a taste. It hasn't been that cold here in over 10 years, I think. So, did have a white Christmas, so again, hope everybody had a happy holiday season into the new year here. Probably won't talk to you guys again until, obviously, after. the Maybe, actually, because we play on the 1st, might talk to you guys Heck, I might talk to you guys Friday or Saturday. We'll see how it plays out. So, with that being said, now let's dive into the SEMO game that was. We made the trip, me, Noah, and a, and a buddy of ours. And I just wanted to say off the bat, and honestly, tomorrow's game in Murray is up in the air in terms of being in attendance for. Uh, but I was just going through it, and there's been only three games of the 13 that we have not been to. And that was at Oklahoma State and obviously in the SoCal Challenge. So that's three games. We've been to, it's crazy to think about, a lot of home games, obviously recently, and at the start, but, you know, we made we made the Evansville Road game, SLU Road game, SEMO Road game, USI Road game. So obviously we, we try to go as much as we can, and tomorrow's game might honestly be the quote-unquote easiest potential game for us to go to. It's a lot closer than even, you know, Terra Out or Peoria or Normal, which we know we can make those games. But uh, through the week, it's clearly hard with those big three or four or more hours away. Murray's not that far. So this might be the last time we'll get to see us on the road until we get on the neutral courts in Arch Madness in St. Louis. But just wanted to shout that out because we always try to get to those games, and it's crazy thinking about how we've gone to 10 of the 13 so far this year. So, into this game. Like I said, we, we went there. Love going to Show Me Center. They improved the parking lot out there. Some solar, like, protection in the parking lot, which is crazy. Definitely wasn't there the last time we were here. And, you know, a decent crowd. A great SIU crowd. No doubt about it. It was a cold night. Uh, obviously looking to get that win against Brad Korn and the Red Hawks. And, uh, like I said, it was... I'll get some short takeaways at the end of it, but same starting five we had. No other, I don't think we had any other updates. We were hoping that we could see Kyler at this game, or excuse me, wow, um, Scotty at this game with 
obviously with his splint still on. Honestly, we were behind SIU's bench, so wasn't really sure exactly how to. I wasn't really. I th Scotty was sitting down there, but I didn't really pay attention to it as much. I'm sure he had it on, uh, and we remember thinking how, you know, he could have returned maybe around this game, or he's been practicing, and we might see him tomorrow because that was a month or a week ago, rather. So maybe we'll see him tomorrow. I doubt it. There was no interview or anything. Um, I did see Steve uh, Prome talk to Andy Katz. Uh, that's out there. I think that's the only thing of, of Murray's side that we have. Mike might post something tomorrow. No other interviews to know. Obviously, we would hear something in the pregame, so didn't hear anything uh, and didn't really notice anything with Scotty. So maybe we'll see him tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll see him on New Year's Day. Uh, but other than that, like I said, same starting five, and we honestly started really well. I mean, it, and one of the takeaways, and it's not a takeaway, but just sporadic runs on you know, good on offense and bad on defense throughout this game. It's It's been a tale of this season so far, really. Haven't played a full. We mentioned how against some of these bad teams, sure, we've played, you know, almost full, full 40-minute games. But it's hard to do that. But if you want to be an elite team, you have to do it. Uh, and even against those bad teams, you're barely going to get it. And you're going to get it against – and you're not really going to get it against other quality teams. And SEMO was ranked in the 200-somethings in net or in, <clears throat> in Kempom. So it was a game we clearly should have won, and I'll get into I mean, they didn't have one of their – I'll just say that right away. They didn't have one of their top scores. I was talking about them. They did not have uh, Israel Barnes, who's that Who's that senior we mentioned, averaged 15 a game. He did not play, so that says that he's only played in five games this year. We remember talking about how Brad Corn was and everybody's talking about the injury Simo has withstood this year. Uh and, you know, they were battle-tested up until this game with the recent games they've been playing, and he said that he wouldn't change – Brad Corn said he wouldn't change it for the world of scheduling those hard games. But, yeah, Israel Barnes only played five games, 15 points a game in those five games. He definitely would have made a difference. That's without a doubt. So, starting – like I said, we started strong off a of Lance three. There was no scoring for the first minute. Uh we had or Clarence had a turnover right away, so that kind of just let it. That was kind of the gist of the first minute. Uh, but Lance had a three. Was matched by Dylan Branson, and he's been on there a couple years now. If people recall, we recruited Dylan Branson. He was in one of our threads a couple years ago. We saw him play at Melville in high school at the Highland tournament, which will be will be at January seventh to watch Canard. I've talked about that already, but that's where we saw Dylan Branson. So he went to Semo, started in this game. Probably I don't know how if he's been starting for them lately. He did in this game because of Israel, but Israel probably has missed, you know, a lot of time now. He might have been starting for him. You want to maybe have a better bench so you start a guy like that. But he matched Lance with a three. It was back and forth. Aquan Smart had a three Lance Matched him again. Marcus had a dunk. That was off a, uh, uh, a fast break. X hit him on a fast break. Uh, Josh early, which we were, it's funny because we're talking about if he's, is he related to uh, 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 whatever his name. I'm blanking. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. but uh, And then, so Lance went, uh, let's see, one of two from the free throw line. So in terms of the runs I was mentioning, 14 to 10, we were up. Uh, and then Chris Harris, which he had a huge, obviously, shot at the end of the game. I'll get into Chris Harris missed the th or made the three, one-point game, uh, and then they took the lead. And after that, they had the lead for a little bit. They had it to four. Marcus made a couple free throws, had it to five off another Chris Harris uh, three. Got up to nine with a, with a quant after a quant smart layup. Philip Russell had a layup to make it nine, which wasn't the biggest of the half. Get to a point. Lance made a couple free throws out of a out of a timeout, and then you know, kind of floating around. Nothing's going on. I want to say Cade was in here at this point, uh, until Josh Early made a jump shot, which made an eleven point game. And what sparked us was Jawan got a, a steal and a layup in transition. Uh, the Marcus had a layup, assisted by Jawan. Lance made a layup, five point game. Uh, or far, sorry, he finished an and one, so that's four point game. And then Clarence layup off an offensive board. He's been getting crazy offensive boards lately. Then there was no scoring until Jawan uh, went one of two from the free throw line, down by one. And then uh, Marcus had a jump shot. Actually, I think it was one of those where he 
kept his pivot foot and had like a finger roll layup to give us the lead. Um, and Clarence fouled Josh Early, went one of two from the free throw line, so it's tied. And then all the way, and this will be one of my takeaways I'll get into near the end, but J.D. Mula, he played a really good game and had this, and played really good in this. If you start Clarence and bring J.D. off the bench, it's actually a pretty good one, too, not going to lie, the way they're playing. And J.D. had a nice tip layup offensive board to give us a two-point halftime lead. So, like I said, a lot of sporadic runs. We got down nine, and then we clawed back with a huge run uh, thanks to our defense and thanks to our, our shot making. So at the half, Clarence had four points, uh, three rebounds. Like I said, one on the off, two offensive of his three, two assists, two of four from the field. Marcus, three of eight, two rebounds, an assist, eight points. Trent didn't score, uh, did have a rebound. That's all he had. Xavier uh, did hit a three which was good. Like I said, I haven't really been seeing him shoot a whole lot, let alone threes, even in general. he's He's been been a little bit more hesitant as he was to start the year. Uh, and I'll get into him again near the end about closing lineups, and he's really not involved, and it's weird. I, actually, that just hit me, so I'll uh, mention that at the end again. Uh, Lance, 3 of 8, 12 points at the half for Lance. So big first half for Lance, 4 for 5 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds. Really good for him. Troy uh, played five minutes again. He shot, By the end of it, he'll have shot a couple of threes, but he only shot one in the first half. J.D. had that tip in, had two rebounds, had a steal and a block. Cade, no points. Foster, no points. Dalton, no points. Uh, Foster did get two shots up, one of three. Cade shot one as well, or shot just in general. And then Jawan, one of one on that layup. We had three rebounds, though, two steals and a block. I remember picking pre-dog of the game. Noah picked Dalton. I picked a, com a combination of Jawan and X. So both doing fine with three points apiece at the half. Shooting 36%. So were they. Um, I want to say everything was almost exact. I'd say they got one more free throw than us. They were shooting 60. We were shooting 78. 16 rebounds apiece. They had one more assist. We had one more steal. Same amount of blocks. And they had seven turnovers to R4. Uh, and their largest lead was 11. Ours was four in the first half. So. Pretty dang even, to say the least. Um, like I said, that was, that was huge tip-in for JD to give us that two-point lead at the half. So, to the half it was. <clears throat> and just think about how, you know, we started the second half pretty well. Outside of, outside of the very start, which is funny. Chris Harris, he's become, we talked about Chris, or I did in the preview, and no one I talk endlessly about him at times, that he was a Johnny Logan volunteer. He was just a scrappy kind of player and could score a little bit. They were honestly holding him back, had a lot of star power on that team. But Chris, as soon as he's got to SEMO, he has been unbelievable, scoring the ball, shooting the ball. He's been kind of, he was kind of that junkyard dog at John A, and then he becomes this elite scorer. When he gets to the next level, it's good to see. Um, Lance had a layup to regain the lead, so it was tied at star. Marcus hit a three up by four. Philip Russell matched him with a three. I think that was on bad defense. We had a, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It was like a collapse on defense, and he somehow got open. Uh, uh, let's see. Trent had a three he missed. Josh Shirley had a jump shot, regained the lead. Dalton hit a three, so there was Dalton getting going from his three-point range again. Uh J.D. went one of two from the line, and obviously we know J.D.'s free throws are pretty, but he did make that second, which was good to see, and all the fans, and the only uh, student section SEMO had was their band, and their band was was pretty out, or pretty uh, outspoken and kind of wild, reckless, to be honest. Nice shutting them up at times, and J.D. did that with his second made free throw. Jawan made a couple free throws, gave us a five-point lead. Marcus free throws gave us a seven-point lead. Uh, this was this was a huge lead, and we said we were down by nine. We ended up up by nine at this point. Jawan had another layup here, so Jawan was playing well, and then all of a sudden we get, uh, you know, at any point when we want to sustain something, we gave up another Chris Harris three, so there's six. At the TV timeout, Chris, Leia, Chris Harris then had a steal from Lance, had a layup. Uh, so it's now it's only a four-point game. Aquan Smart, one of two from the line, three-point game. So it kind of let them back in it. Clearly, Clarence made a couple free throws, regained it to five. Dalton, a couple free throws, got it to seven. 
Marcus at three. Here's where it was ten with nine minutes left, thinking we were going to escape. What do you know, Philip Russell? I think I wonder if that Marcus three. I want to say that was a really deep NBA three. That three was. Uh, Philip Russell matched him though, and then it came around, and I think this was counted at the time. It took us, it took it away at the at the game. If you watch the replay, because the SAU account posted a replay of it, you can tell his foot was on the line, but the ref did do the two with the thing, but they took it off later on in this half. Foster hit that hit that two. His foot was on the line. Marcus had a layup. Now we're at eleven point lead. As soon as we had a timeout, so you know. I guess when you're on defense and you're up by 11, you could you know take it easy a little bit. I guess and they, I mean, they were just scoring with these out of our timeouts, our timeouts or TV timeouts. So Philip Russell got them within nine again. Nate Johnson hit a jump shot by seven. Um, Aquan Smart, who is good for them in this game, a lot shot a lot of free throws. Cut it to five with those couple free throws. Kobe Clark made a jumper. Three-point game with 4.42 left. Marcus, a couple free throws. There was some spotty refing in this game on both sides, without a doubt. We got away with some stuff. They got away with some stuff. Um, when they were clawing back in, there were some sketchy fouls. No doubt about it. Good thing we were making our free throws. So Josh Early uh, did have that layup. JD had a layup, which was a nice feed from Marcus, a nice, uh, just a nice uh, floater JD had on the uh, baseline on the right side. Left side, straight off from the court from our angles from the right side. Great to see from JD uh, giving us a five-point lead. And then there wasn't there wasn't any scoring until Chris Harris with two and a half minutes left. Cut it to three with a couple free throws. Marcus matched him. Marcus was great in this game. Made it five. Then he had a couple free throws. So Marcus was just racking up the points here. Then it was seven after his two free throws. Dylan Branson with a minute 18 hit a huge clutch three. Dylan Branson did. It was almost like a what-the-heck kind of thing. He drew a lot of fouls in this game, uh, but he cut it to four with that three, then had a foul on him. Clarence missed the one-and-one one free throw. Uh, excuse me. There was a – it was one-and-two, or one-for-two he went. He made the second, sorry. I forgot who it was at this point. I'll get to it when they got uh, – I don't know what they got whenever we missed two free throws. They got something after the game. I forgot what it was. Um but Jawan made a couple free throws. I'll get to some. Maybe he was the one who did that for them. Philip Russell had a three after Jawan's free throw. So it was just a lot of back and forth. And we couldn't get our lead that was once 11. Couldn't sustain it around that 10. And Chris Harris made another three. This was 18 seconds left. So Philip Russell made a three. Four-point lead. We, and then we turned it over. Chris Harris had a jumper from the left wing. Or a three from the left wing, which he drained. One-point game. Dalton missed a, went one of two from the line. Terrible first miss. So we're only up by two. And this was ended up being the final score. But 70 to 68. They go right down for Philip Russell forces some crazy shot. He gets inside. Or gets within like maybe 10 feet. We started the free throw line. Kind of faded towards uh, you know, the wing or the short corner. And you know, from 10 to 15 feet, had a terrible shot. They got an offensive rebound. Kobe Clark kicked it out to Chris Harris. In the same spot, he made his previous three wide open. I don't know what our defense was doing, just standing there watching the ball miss, and hopefully the buzzer went off. Sleepwalking, he gets the rebound, kicks out to Chris for that wide open three, and we couldn't believe it. And he missed it, and nobody could honestly believe it. So we escaped with the two-point win, and we were mad at the end of the game. I feel like as we should, we didn't close well like we needed to. That was a crazy second half. Uh, you had 11-point lead with like four to five minutes left, and then you you blow it. Can't get a good possession. You can't make free throws at the end of the game. Honestly, and a win's a win, but especially against a team who was out there 15-point-per-game score, you know, you had it at hand at times. You didn't at the, in the first half, and then you clawed back, and you're doing what you were supposed to do. And then, like I said, a win's a win, but not whenever you're about to creep into conference play and you just beat three bad teams and then you have a team you're supposed to beat. And granted, you're on the road and SEMO's a good home team, but you just can't afford to have a stinker like that and a stinker finish. This team just cannot finish games. So I'll get to that again here in a second. Going through the box score, Marcus, 38 minutes of the 47 of 17, 24 points, six rebounds. Uh, Two assists, only three turnovers. I say only. feels like he usually gets a lot more than that, but three seems like I think it is around his average. He led the way. Lance, I mentioned he had 12 in the first half, ended up with 14. 
didn't shoot very well by the end of the game. Didn't do a whole lot in general, actually. He came out at times in this game for a long stretch. Had six rebounds, one assist. No steals again for Lance. Hoping that he could obviously get, you know, almost get one a game. And his, his averages still say that around two. But there's been some games in the last five or six that he hasn't had one, even though he'll explode for five or six in a, in a separate game. So they led the way. Jawan had a nice scoring game with nine off the bench. Only shot two field goals. We went five of eight from the free throw line. I missed. I mentioned his his missed at the end of the game. Terrible, but five rebounds, three steals, and an assist for Jawan. A really good bounce back game for. Him. Those are the kind of games we need him to do. Even though we need him in 25 minutes of play to score close to 15, if we're being honest. He needs to be right there with Lance at scoring. I, I mean that. Like, Lance has the threes to help him. Jawan has been struggling from three. Jawan needs to be that third leading scorer for us. No doubt about it. 15 might be a stretch. Not a game, but needs to, like, on occasion get us up to 15. But needs to average around 10 or 11. I don't think that's too crazy to say. Um, who else is on here on the board? Uh, Clarence had seven, and five, had two assists. Uh, played well. I mentioned those offensive boards earlier. Played 23 minutes. Uh, Clarence had a great uh, Forburn U moment. Dove on the floor and got the ball to tip off the opponent to give us the ball back. Clarence didn't show any frustration in this game. I honestly think I saw when they were walking back to the locker room, he seemed kind of mad that he was out for JD and um, looked like he was upset that it wasn't him that maybe scored that or just was in there at the end of the first half. But you can tell in the second half when he was a lot more active, a lot more giving high fives and for people coming in for him. And he understood the assignment of offense and defense that he was coming out for. And he was all over JD, hugging him and stuff. So we want Clarence as happy as possible. And it showed in that in, in the second half of this game. A lot of great effort from him. And he played well, of course. Uh... Dalton had Noah's dog of the game. Dalton, 17 minutes, had six points, a steal, two rebounds, and assist. Three or four from the free throw line, just had that one miss. It was a bad miss, though, in the moment. Foster had the one-two. Uh, X had three points, and I mentioned he was not in the closing lineup. I want to say that was Clarence and JD at times. Troy was in there. Uh, who else? I, I don't remember exactly. It was, it was Lance, Jawan, Trent, Marcus, and... Clarence, maybe Foster was sprinkled. Dalton was sprinkled in there as well. I honestly think it was it, – it's hard to remember a week ago to think about it, but all we knew was X wasn't. And I don't think X – he only had you – know, he did have three fouls. But we've seen X at the at the ends of games not be in the closing lineups, and it's, it's strange. But uh, we know he can – he only had 13 minutes, which was four less than Trent, who didn't do anything in the game. You know, for the lowest on the, he was behind three bench players in minutes, and by far, like I said, the least of the starting five. So it's just strange. If we win, it really it does not matter who does what as long as we win. You want to, and I mentioned, you barely beaten Simo. A win's a win, but just the way it looks. So I don't want to sound uh, hypocritical in that aspect. When you get in the conference play, I like Simo's a game that needs to warm you up for conference play. If you can squeak by with wins in conference, it is what it is. You want to have some kind of – and a win's a positive, but you want to have some other tidbits of positiveness from the game to look ahead because then if you barely squeak by or you blow a lead, certain things can play out and what can take away from a win. So you want to have nice wins, but like I said, conference play, it won't, it won't matter. Wins are wins at that point. JD with five points, five rebounds, a seal, a re – a steal, a block, and assist. Great to see. Three fouls and 11 minutes for JD. Um, I mentioned Troy, 14 minutes. Trent didn't score in 17 minutes, over four from three. Not shooting well from three for Lance uh, lately. Uh, and I think that's everybody else. I mentioned, yeah, Cade, two points, didn't do a whole lot. Didn't play in the second half. Um, let's see. Clark, who was their leading rebounder with nine a game. Kobe Clark averaged eight and nine. He's a freak. And he got a Marcus a lot. Marcus, you know, fed off that and was able to score on him with ease. Clark's definitely a great 6'6 athletic rebounder, though. He's he's a stud. He's only a sophomore. Brad Corn's got him a good one with him. He's, he played 32 minutes, had four points. Josh Early had 11 points uh, for them off the bench. 19 for Chris Harris. Almost could have been 22, and we could be talking about a one-point loss. Philip Russell, 17. Those guys led the way. Aquan Smart had nine points. Uh 
four of them off free throws, and then Br Branson had two threes to get in the six. So not all the spread score that they weren't very deep. They only went eight guys deep. Um, but, you know, we mentioned their struggles with injuries. But they're nice. They're going to compete in the OVC. I think OVC is wide open. I haven't seen a whole lot of but like, Moorhead State, who was, I think, picked to win it, or one of them. Uh, haven't heard anything on them lately. We have we saw Tennessee State. It's been a while. They're beatable for a lot of people on their USI. Beat Indiana State, beat us. And plays really well at home. Edwardsville is probably the team to be in that conference, to be honest. I mean, OVC is going to be so much fun to, to follow their season. And we will follow them as time goes on throughout their conference play now as well. So that, that was the game, like I said. Two-point victory. I'll get into some other things here. Some quotes from Brian at the end before I move on. Uh, we shot 37% from the field. Not great. They shot 40, and we shot 6 of 23 from 3. They shot 11 of 28, so that's 26 to 39%. They beat us. We were 24 of 31. Like I said, I, I already mentioned kind of the benefit that we got from bad refs both sides, but we took, got the benefit of that a lot. Shot 31 free throws. I wonder if that, that's got to be one of the most in a long time. Mike hasn't really been up to his, he posted something yesterday, hasn't posted any um, updated anything or any stats like that along with interviews. They were 11 of 18 from, from the free throw line. So it was 77% for us. We out-rebounded them by 7, 33 to 26. They had 15 assists to our 10. We did have nine offensive rebounds in this one, which is huge. And that was the biggest deficit because we only out-rebounded them defensively by two. Steals were seven apiece. They had one more block than us, three to two. 13 turnovers apiece. They didn't really turn it over. And I think they what? They had two turnovers in the second half, whatever it was in the first half. Uh, and then let me look at that again. How many did they have in the second half? I think it was, I say 11 because it just seems familiar. They had seven. So they had six in the second half. Uh, so there was that. And then. Like I said, okay, turnovers were even, and the largest lead for both teams was 11 points. So we squeaked by with a win we're definitely not happy about. Let's get some quotes here from Brian about the game. He said, quote, we knew it was going to be a grinded-out game. I thought after the first 10 minutes of the first half, we played pretty good basketball up until the last two minutes of the game. We have to do a better job executing at the end of the game, but our goal was to come here and get a win before Christmas, and we were able to accomplish that. End quote. He talked about Marcus here. Quote, Marcus stepped up late and made some big free throws, a couple of big baskets. He did what a player of his caliber should do. And then he said, we knew if we could get some defensive stops, we could push and transition and get some good looks. When we were down 10, we got some big stops, and that's what we have to hold our heads on and continue to be a team that can get stops consistently. End quote. He talked about Dalton. Dalton's play by giving us strong minutes. He said, quote, Dalton with – Played with good poise and good confidence. He wasn't rattled. He played downhill, and I thought he had some really good decisions, made some really good decisions for us. So, yeah, we talked about they went on, Simo went on a 16 2 run against us to take control of the game at the start before things got in our favor in the first half. So, definitely, a I'd say a typical Simo game, even though we handled them in previous years historically. And just thinking about. Uh, you know, football, we blow them out. Usually they beat us this past year. So definitely a rivalry. We always enjoy playing SEMO in both sports. So there was that. Um, and my three biggest takeaways, I think, from this was JD played one of his best games as a Saluki. I mentioned the tip-in, the floater. He played good defense. I mentioned that block. I remember that block. He just played steady. In 11 minutes, he played like we know he can. He's not going to score. He's going to you know, maybe get to the free throw line and make one of four. You know, every five attempts will make one, which that is just what it is. But he's he can guard. He's athletic. He's just a presence down there. We're talking about how kick him to the curve for Scotty and Clarence, the young guys moving forward. But JD's going to be pivotal down the stretch for sure in conference play. Looking forward to it. And whenever Scotty does get back, it'll be interesting to see how those three bigs play. And we're we're not thinking Cade's not going to play once what Scotty gets back. So. That is what it is, and J.D. coming back has made it more comfortable for Troy being the four-man off the bench. Saw that. Saw that lineup at times in this game, so uh, good to see J.D. back, and he played really well. I would say J.D. was the dog of the game in this one. Had some had some pivotal two-point baskets in this one and had that free throw and just played well overall. Uh, more, I mean, we shot 24-31. 
that's really good, but it also it doesn't really matter. It matters because you got to make them if you're giving them, at, you know, throughout a game. You have to finish better. You have to make clutch free throws. And Jawan missing two and Dalton missing one there did us no favors at the end. We could have put the game away and kept them back in it, and we were one shot away from losing. Um, so, and that was the one thing is just finish games more cleanly. Like I said, we go, what, I barely have played a 40-minute game this year. Like I said, it's hard to do it every game. But against bad teams, you barely did it. And this game, you weren't able to do it. Just spotty. Like I said, the game of runs, basketball is as a whole, but this game was for sure. Uh, so those are my three takeaways. Not a whole lot else. Uh, a team we were supposed to to get to this get to this record. It was the uh, last conference game or non-conference game of this year, of the 2022 and of the whole season. So we're able to go finish that out on top. Uh, so now I'm going to talk about the games that were along with ours that night. Valpo beat Stonehill only by 10. Drake killed San Ambro by a lot. Can't do the math right now. Close to 100. I'll say, what was that? I'll say 78 points, I think. Murray lost at Middle Tennessee by 16. Uh, Northern Iowa with a nice win at home. And they've had some spotty losses at home uh, recently. They lost to McNeese on December 9th. So they've had some struggles They've played a lot of home games. They lost at home against South Florida. That might have been neutral. I think it was at home, though. It was, and then, like I said, they won at home against St. Bonaventure, which is a really good win. Let me look at how St. Bonaventure is doing. They're 6-7. and seven. They were picked to be one a good 8-10 team this year, but maybe they're not as good as they were. But still, with the way you and I is looking, uh, I'll get to some news here in a second that I'll say it now because I wouldn't just randomly say it, I guess, after I'm done with all this. Nate Heisey, who we knew was out with a shoulder injury, and everyone was talking how he's going to come back, officially out for the year. So if you thought things couldn't get any worse for Northern Iowa, it got very worse now. Arguably their second best player, I'd say for sure. You know, Titan Anderson, some other guys that we'll mention when we play them down the road. But Nate Heisey was, I'd say, their second best player, most important player. And now he's out for the year, so that hurts them even more. So that's unfortunate. That's the biggest news around the Valley right now, injury-wise, and I'd say overall-wise. Uh, so he's out for them. So like I said, they got that win over Bonnie, over the Bonnies. Belmont beat Sanford at home by 23. Evansville got a nice home win against Bellarmine by 12. Bellarmine's under 500, but we know what they did last year. And what they're capable of, and then Indiana State lost at home to Northern Illinois. That's tough. That was on that Thursday. They allowed someone for for Northern Illinois to Keyshawn Williams to drop. He averages twenty. He had, he dropped thirty two in that game. Nine rebounds, twenty one from McCauley. Of course, we just see teams like this. Just you know, they lost at USI like uh, like us. It wasn't as bad, but then they drop to a four and nine. They lose to a four and nine at three and nine at the time. Northern Illinois team at the Holman Center. So it's not a great non-con for the Valley. That's that's an understatement. I mentioned the Drake-Mississippi State win the night I did the preview was pretty good, clearly. But other than that, hasn't been too great. Uh, but Bradley did get a 19-point home win against Akron, who's 7-5. and five. And then we mentioned before, the due to the weather, Missouri State got his home game against Sam Houston scrapped, and they're not going to replay that game, which would have been a good opportunity against a 10-2 and Sam Houston team who's arguably a top-five mid-major in the country. Missouri State is either lost to good teams they've played and having this game not even happen, so that's unfortunate. I'll get to the preview of other games uh, at some point here. Now I'm going to talk about some some separate stuff that has happened. I mentioned some of those rankings. I'll start off with, so though I mentioned the alumni news, as we know, Aaron Cook had a fabulous three- or four-year career with us, used his final year, or I'm sorry, great, let's see, he did he, Aaron Cook played as a freshman, so I'd say three years he had with us. We know the year, Brian's first year, he was hurt, and we talk about every year we have a type of injury, and granted, that year was the emergence of Lance Jones, uh, and it was actually where we're going to be tomorrow, where Aaron Cook got hurt, and you know, and that season was great. Finished fifth, was picked tenth. We know all about it. If we had Aaron Cook with Lance behind him, could have done even better things because Aaron was a great player at the end of his career with us and then where and then where else he went. Uh, that is a what if. If Aaron Cook plays, we probably finish higher than five maybe because we almost beat Bradley in that tournament or in the Valley tournament. 
who knows what could have happened if we had a really good Aaron Cook on our side because we know he transferred and went to Gonzaga and was really good on that team all year and was the best player in the national championship against Baylor that Gonzaga had to offer. And then we know he went to Georgia. So he signed with Phenom Sports Services, a basketball agency committed to navigating clients towards fulfilling both the professional and personal aspirations. So we know Aaron was at Georgia last year. I guess hasn't been doing a whole lot. He might be overseas. He's not too active on Twitter. Uh, but he had this opportunity to help him get better at the pro level. Uh, I say all that. He's averaging 16, 6 assists, 4, uh, whatever, five, 4 rebounds on 38% shooting from 3. Uh, and wherever he's playing, I'm not sure what flag that is, but he's playing. he is playing overseas. He just hasn't got an agency yet. So he got hooked up with them, which is great to see. And like I said, he was he was a he was a fabulous player for us for three years. Had his good and bad moments. Clearly, Get, went to Gonzaga, played great. Went to Georgia, played great. Where Sean O'Brien's what had been coaching. Not sure if he's still there. And then he's doing this overseas, and now he's got an agency. So always want to see what the what the uh, former Salukis are doing. AC is one of the best guards we've had in the last decade or more. So always good to see. With that, it was Javon Mamon's birthday recently on the 26th, just a couple days ago. And now I'll get to the other separate things I wanted to discuss was the Arch Madness seeding probabilities from Matt Hackman from yesterday. Our highest percentage were equal with the four and the five, 16% chance, 15 for the six, 13 for the three seed. So I'd say, yeah, hoping it can be the four to get out of Thursday night, the expanded Thursday night. So it's equal in that regard. Drake, or Bradley has a 50% chance of getting the one seed in the Valley Tournament. Drake, the 16, which is also behind Indiana State, has the second best one seed odds. Uh, and Bradley, Drake, and Indiana State both have all have 22% chance to get the second. So and so on and so forth. It gets, you know, Belmont's got around the middle of the pack seeding percentages right behind us nearly. And so honestly, and Drake showing some after he beat Mississippi State, I guess people are seeing them as a little bit vulnerable. Joel and already in his recent bracketology, for, I think for back-to-back -back times now, and a lot of others as well. Fox Sports, all of them are having Bradley in as our automatic qualifier. So it's obviously not crazy to say they're getting healthy and they're playing really well. It's not too it's not too crazy to say Bradley could overthrow Drake in the regular season. But I'd say those are definitely the top two teams. And then you got teams like us in Indiana State falling behind. So I wanted to update that with uh, potential for what, you know, where I think honestly looking at the, there was the percentages and then there's out of 100,000 whatever's, 100,000 uh, whatever this number is. And we our highest thousand number is to get the five seat at 16,000. 252. So that's the highest projected as the five. It's not too crazy. Want to finish at four, obviously. And then Rocco Miller had his updated top 60 uh, mid majors. He has us at 26, right ahead of SIUE. Uh, who else is on here in the in the likely to need the automatic bid? Indiana State at 43, uh, Belmont at 48, Murray at 50. Um, but before then, the second tier, he's got Drake at 11. And then I mentioned uh, Sam Houston's fifth on there. And like I said, they have the scrap game against uh, Missouri State. So don't don't really continue to climb on that. That is what it is. Uh, no update on Kennard Davis, it, it seems like. He's our only – we've had some offers here and there, you know, previously from however long ago. The last time I talked to you guys, the time before that, so not anything on Kennard. Like I said, we're going to the Highland Tournament on the 7th to see him. We're looking forward to that. I even think about being able to try to talk to him after the fact. There's a lot of media that end up on the floor after the game. So that, that's a wait and see. Don't bank on it. But nothing else going on with him. And then now I'll jump into these other games before I get into ours tonight to kick off the uh, full speed ahead for it's actually seven as I'm talking on the dot. So these games are about to jump off all three of them. You and I hosting Missouri State. People, are, A lot of people are talking about this matchup and who's going to finish higher in the standings. A lot of people are picking you and I, and they do get this game at home. I think Missouri State, people are dogging Dana Ford, probably rightfully so. He's had a tough schedule. 
and now they're going to get in the conference play, and he's got a, tons of talent. You and I is three-point favorites at home. And without Nate Heisey officially now and everything, I think Missouri State beats Northern Iowa tonight, covers at three, those three points, and gets the road dub, both five and seven teams. Illinois State at UIC, those are even odds. I honestly think Illinois State's kind of getting it together. I, even odds seems perfect. It seems like how it's going to go. I'll say UIC wins the home game. People are talking about how they have terrible home crowds, which is sad. I think you, I think this is definitely ends up becoming a one or two last one or two possession game. I'll give the edge to UIC. Bradley at Belmont and Nashville, two point favorites. Bradley is on the road. Oof. This one's tough too. I think Belmont can be is a really good home team. Bradley's, like I said, picked by everybody to win the conference and stuff. And where it stands now, and I say I say Bradley, I'd say that's this honestly comes into the last possession as well. I'll say Bradley covers the two wins about like three or four points by some last second free throws at the end of a game. Uh, so I'll say three really close games. If, if I were to pick one of the three that don't get uh, that. Uh, is that is probably a bigger margin, I'd say, Missouri State at home against Northern Iowa. So that's all I'll wait and see. We'll see how I do and, and those picks coming up. But I'll get the Thursday games for tomorrow outside of ours. Evansville goes to Indiana State, 15-and-a-half. I think that's pretty high. I could see Evansville covering 15-and-a-half, but I'll say, Indiana, I'll say Evansville plus 15-and-a-half, but Indiana State still wins by over 10. And then Drake hosts Valpo. And that's 16 and a half on CBS Sports Network at 8 o'clock tomorrow. I'd say Drake. Uh, I mean, those are just two high numbers. I'll say in Valpo plus 16 and a half. But again, as well, Drake wins by over 10. So we'll see how I do the next time I come to you guys. Now, with that being said, let's talk about the racers of Murray State. They are coming in here. Let's see here. They're coming in here, obviously. I'll go actually, I'll go ahead and say it. Even odds for our game tomorrow. A 134 and a half over under 56% chance to win by the matchup predictor on ESPN for Murray. Rightfully so. Let's dive into I'll get into the matchup and some other quick hits and the stats here. I'll go through what they've done so far this year. We we recall they they started the year at SLU, lost by 23. Lost by 23 points and a blowout, huge blowout. Beat a non-mid-major. They did beat AM before AM fell off miserably uh, when they, they were ranked 24th at the time. Got a nine-point win there. Lost to UMass at the Myrtle Beach Invitational by two. Beat Tulsa by 17. Lost to Chattanooga on the road by three. That was in November. So far here in December, they... And I'll get to some more of these examples. Their first couple Valley games, both in overtime... At home against Illinois State by three. Then at Valpo, which is a crummy place to play, but a tough place to play, weirdly. They won by seven in overtime on the fourth. Lost at Bellarmine by 11. Only beat Chicago State. This was the scary game. They uh, Before Chicago State played us, Murray State only beat them by one on the 13th in a crazy game. They barely beat Austin P by eight. That game was close near the end. Got, and then got killed recently by uh, 16 at Middle Tennessee, as I mentioned earlier. So they kind of been fuddling around a little bit. Some bad road losses, and they've managed to stay strong at home. And I think that's where I'll begin. 20 game is officially now. I remember talking to previous pods. It was around 20. It is officially now a 20-game home winning streak for Murray State. And I mentioned some of those. It seems like they're kind of on the brink. Barely beating Illinois State at home in overtime. Uh, barely beating Chicago State at home, barely beating Austin P. I mentioned, like I said, that game was close near the end before it got to eight points. And then now here they are with us. And I mentioned some of their November games as well. You know, they didn't really, they didn't really, they were either neutral core. They played Lindsey Wilson at home. They didn't really have a whole lot of other home games in November. So the ones they've had here have been crazy. We know they were undefeated in the conference last year, historically great. And that just reminds me, LSU's doing fine right now. K.J. Williams is playing like the best transfer in the country. He is dominating, you know, pre-SEC play. Now he's going to get in, and we'll see how he plays. And I and I said at the time, if that team stayed at Murray, if Matt McMahon doesn't take that job, 
I, I think it's weird because KJ tested the waters, and we know Tevin Brown left. And let's say Tevin Brown was just stayed. I'm just saying last year's team would dominate the Valley. They would win the Valley. I am confident in that. Uh, but we, even without Tevin Brown, and if they brought back Juice Hill, Justice Hill, Trey Hannibal, and KJ Williams, they would be unstoppable again. They'd lose a couple games, but they'd be incredible. So the team for what they were with McMahon and what they are now with Prom um, is, you know, far and away. I mean, last year's team was great, and they carried a lot of that home winning streaks, and this team has been on the ropes with some of these home games. So that's the biggest takeaway. Before I get into some personnel, let me talk about uh, the matchup itself. Uh, this is the 39th meeting between the two. Uh, both teams coming away with 19 wins, so this is literally the – Dates back to 1929. Both teams have 19 wins in this series. We've split the previous 10 with the last meeting coming two years ago whenever we won by four at our place, which was a huge win for us. Remember that crazy game? Uh, there have been three overtime games in this series, and we've won all those overtimes. I mentioned how they won their overtime uh, games this year in the Valley. We're 3-0 against them in overtime. So we have some – so that's a nice little tidbit there. Uh, they are 7-4 overall. Like I said, they are 2-0 in conference with those two games. They got some crazy personnel, and here it is right here. They hold a 20-game win streak at the CFSB Center, the seventh longest home winning streak in the nation. The last win for us on the road at Murray came in 2015. We won by 15. Anthony Bean led us with 22 points, and we rolled off a 31-14 run, converting nine of the final 10 shots from the field. Uh, crazy. And... It's going to be so hard to beat them at home. And just think about that history. Anthony Bean's one of the best players, obviously, ever. And just think about walking around our stadium, walking around Banterra Center. They haven't updated the pictures. Need some recent, in the last decade at least, pictures of these players, especially a lot of Anthony Bean. And just need a lot of need. I'm not saying, I mean, Anthony Bean, he's the third all time leading scorer. For, he's tied for first all time at points at SLU Arena slash Banterra Center. Anthony Bean needs to have his jersey. We don't do jersey retirements for some reason. We need to start. I wish I was in charge. I used to work in sports and stadium operations. I would have made all that happen. But that was the last time we won at Murray seven years ago. So looking to get back in that column with uh, this hard-fought win potentially for tomorrow. Uh Let's get into some of their personnel before I get into some team stats and where both teams rank and where we could draw some maybe advantages tomorrow. Uh, clearly, this team is led by Rod Perry. He was picked preseason, all valley. He averages 15. I mean, he's been every bit of what we what it's been predicted on him: 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, 43 from the field, from Stetson Stud, averaging about 36 minutes a game, 82% free throw shooter. Here's the biggest one, and I I mentioned. You know, we're going to have a lot of mismatches in this one, potentially. And Jamari Smith, who's a D2 transfer, I believe, uh, yeah, he's been he's one of those solid 6'8". These are the kinds of, if you're getting D2 transfers, get guys like this. Like how Kevion Taylor was for Valpo and how Jamari is for Murray. 29 minutes a game. I mentioned how he, he had dealt with a shoulder injury, but he had played in their last game. So apparently he's fine. 14 points a game for him, five rebounds. 48 from the field. He does not shoot free throws well. So I think that's a big thing is fouling him specifically. 56% shooter. He doesn't block a whole lot of shots. He does turn it over. Other than that, he's just a freak athlete and can score the best of them. And one of these other guys who could score the best of them is Jacoby Wood, the Belmont transfer who we were in on. It would have been nice to have. I mean, he is he's tall. I mean, he seems bigger than 6'2 when he's when he's out there. Averages 12, four rebounds, five assists. He's kind of their point guard, and he's been running it. And it's crazy to think about how good Belmont was last year with some of these guys. And he is really good. He's one of their leading guys, 86% free throw shooter. Don't foul him. He is shooting below 40% from the field, though, so he might take a lot of crummy shots, but he makes up for it at the free throw line. All those guys, Rod shoots four, 38 from three. Jamari and, J and Jacoby shoot 30 and 31, respectively, from three. Those are the three biggest guys you got to worry about. But you got the only returnee to Murray is ten, uh, 10 points a game, eight rebounds. DJ Burns, who will be a prime matchup for 
uh, Clarence tomorrow. That's safe to say. Burns shoots 62 from the field, 66 from the line. Doesn't shoot threes. He either is, he's got zero percentage. I don't know if he's even shot any this year. Let's look at that real fast. Has he even shot a three? Uh, no. And he shot two total in his previous two seasons. He started at a Southern University. So, so just a stat. It's crazy how you, if you get in the portal, and this was pre how the portal is, so he had to have the sit, I'm sure. Uh, just been a special player for them, and he averages 10 and 8. That's a problem. Good luck, Clarence. Kenny White Jr. is another guy, averages 9 and 4, 6, 7, sophomore, uh, 30 minutes a game, 40 from the field, 61 from the line, not great, 19 from three. So Kenny White Jr. does not shoot threes as well. Those are their, I think Jamari plays their four, obviously. They do start, though, their top five leading scorers. Rod, Jamari, Jacoby, Burns, and Kenny White. No one I were just talking previously, knowing that he couldn't be on this and about the matchups and quickly thinking about it. It's tough because you feel like you want to put Lance, who's your best like steals guy and one of your best defenders, arguably the I talk about Trent all the time. Uh, I could see Lance on Rod, and that's with diving into the other matchups. You could see I could see X on Jacoby, Lance on Rod. And then that's what stinks with Trent. I, I trust Trent on anybody of those kind of those guys. Kenny White, though, if he plays their three, he's six seven. So that's a tough matchup for Trent. He's guarded guys that size before, but you can flip flop with the guards. But I could say Marcus and Jamari Smith is the matchup of the night, no doubt about it. Because fourteen against seventeen a game, and how good Jamari is. I mean, you could say Lance and Rod, or you could say Rob and Marcus. But I'll go with Jamari and, Jamari and Marcus is the matchup to watch. They'll be guarding each other. And I mentioned Clarence guarding DJ Burns, who is a tough matchup as well. They're just a bunch of freaks, and that's the thing. But they're gonna you, you'll be able to get them to shoot bad shots and turn it over and kind of play undisciplined perhaps. So that's a key. And then off the bench, Quincy Anderson, we were in on him as well. Murray's got a whole load of teams, guys, we were in on. I mentioned Wood. Quincy Anderson, D2, transfer average is seven off the bench for them. In 19 minutes, three rebounds, one assist, 49 from the field, 77 from the line, 44 from three. That's their highest three-point shooters. Quincy Anderson, check him. He will make threes. Hopefully we can match him off the bench with Foster in threes potentially. That's a perfect matchup for both those guys. Brian Moore, one of the top guys we were after. We were devastated when he came here uh, out of JUCO, and he landed here. Hasn't done all that great. He's played in every game. He averages 15 minutes a game. This is a matchup for Dalton. So I'm thinking about the starting five, and I said Foster with Quincy just because of the shooting. That's probably Jawan and Quincy. And then I'll say Dalton with Brian Moore. Uh, and then playing 11 of the 12 is Justin Morgan, who's a 6'6 freshman, averages two points. That could be a Foster matchup because he's played in more games. Sam Murray. Another freshman, 6'8", plays in eight games. Braxton Stacker we were in on. Uh, four, he's played in four games. Jackson Edwards, another guy we were in on four games. So they really play however many guys. They're really guard-heavy off their bench. That's the biggest thing. Like they have, like I said, Sam Murray is 6'8", probably is 190 pounds. So really guard-heavy off the bench. And they're not very big overall, so that's where we should beat them. But they're that versatile kind of where it would be tough. Uh so there's the personnel. Like I said, those top five guys, they're starting fives. The main – and Quincy Anderson off the bench are the main guys you got to worry about. Uh, I was going to – let me mention Ken Palm real fast. I saw earlier we are 113th now. We've been we, – we mentioned how we were up to 70-something when we beat Oklahoma State. We've fallen all the way now to 130 – it's updated now. Excuse me, 116 we are right now. Uh, Indiana State 127, Missouri State 128. Let's find Murray. So we're 116. Murray is 169. Not sure what the Kempom predictor would have this. That I mentioned the even odds and the 134 and a half. Let's dive in. I'm gonna dive in quickly to these team stats. Uh, points per game wise, 72 for Murray. That is tied for 180th in the country. Uh, and I didn't look to see where these rank among Valley teams, but they do score late 60s to 70s, because I said they don't shoot very well. I'll get to that in a second. We are tied for 252nd in the country with 68.9 points per game. It was around 70, and then we haven't been scoring a whole lot lately, so it's gone down a little bit. 
uh, field goal percentage on our, or if uh, efficiency efficient field goal percentage. 204th for Murray. We are 46th. We are 55% and 46th in the country in efficient field goal percentage. They are 204th at 50%. You're splitting hairs with a lot of these because they're so everyone's so exact with the decimal points in these stats that like the rankings can be kind of skewed for that reason. But so they're always not too far off. That one is a little bit and the field goal, field goal shooting percentage in general, 163rd for Murray at 45%. We are 89th with 46.8. 136th and defensive field goals for Murray, we are 119th. So kind of close in that regard by 0.3% difference. Scoring defense, Murray is 209th in the country. That's about 70 a game. They allow 69.8. We are tied for 41st at 62 points allowed so they'll allow almost as much as they score so that's the biggest thing so what else is here forcing them to take bad shots that's what it looks like to me and they will allow they will allow points you know they're gonna probably foul you and i'll get to that in a second so you gotta make them you gotta make them force tough shots they love doing that and then you have to and then you're able to be efficient on offense and they allow you to score a little bit so those are the biggest things in that regard uh a sit or three points attempted. They they shoot about twenty a game. We shoot twenty six, which is thirty ninth in the country. That just shows you there's six six threes a game difference, which actually is a lot. That is a two hundred and twenty one difference in the country between us. So they don't shoot a whole lot in that regard. We shoot a ton. It's probably gonna be the case again tomorrow. Uh, they are tied for two hundred ninety first in three point percentage. That's thirty two percent. Terrible. I remember thinking, seeing the stat beforehand, that they were that low, and it was shocking. And that's where it stands now. They got a little bit better. I think people were talking about how they did shoot a little bit better in their previous game. Uh, we are 197th with 33% from three, so not not much better. 197th is not good. Uh, so, like I said, Quincy Anderson will come in and be their best three-point shooter. Other than that, they're not going to – I'd say Rob Perry can make it pretty well. I've seen Jacoby Wood make clutch ones in that Chicago State game, so – they can do it. They're just not doing it at a great clip, and neither do us. So that's the thing to watch, three-point shooting, because uh, there's going to be a lot thrown up in tomorrow's game. Guarding the three-point line percentage-wise, they are 40, they are 41st. That's the thing. They'll, they'll miss them themselves, but they will they will be able to force it at a pretty good rate. They only allow 29.3%. We are tied for 65th, so pretty close to them as well. 293 for them, 30 on the dot for us. Here's the thing, and I mentioned they're not very big off the bench. They are 339th in the country in bench points per game at 12.67. We are tied for 164th with 21.77 points per game off the bench. So, And that's carried by Juwan. That's carried by uh, Dalton's five points. I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, Foster a little bit. So it's not great, but that just shows you how – Murray's main guys will beat you. You have to make guys who come into the game beat you. That's bottom line. Uh, and then they are tied for 77th and fast break points per game at 12.42. That's pretty good. We are 145th, so don't really get out in transition that much. That's 10.69 for us points in transition. They are tied for 75th. And free throws per game at 20, we are tied for 295th. We do not shoot free throws. That's 15.1. Not very good. They do shoot a lot. They are a 71% free throw shooting team. They're 170, 170th in the country. We are 60th at 74.49. So it's better than them, even though we feel like we haven't shot well from free throw line this year. Uh, rebounding. They are tied for 110th with 37.25 per game. We are at 314th with 32.31. So that's the biggest thing. They're not very big, but they're versatile, and they will get after the boards, and that's a problem. DJ Burns and Jamari Smith will eat us alive on the boards, mainly DJ Burns because the average is about eight. So Clarence has his work cut out for him, as I've said. Assists per game. They are tied for 232nd at only barely 13 a game. We are tied for 108th at 14.8. We do pretty good in that regard, as we know. Not really a bunch of iso ball outside of when Lance tries to take over and Marcus in general. Uh, we do pretty well at sharing the ball, as we know. Um, so they like to play hero ball, so they will not assist. They will they will iso you, beat you one-on-one. -on -one. That's, that's their offense. That's what they're going to try to do. 
Turnovers, they are tied for 90th with 12 a game. We are tied. Listen, that they don't turn it over. Guess who does? Us. Tied for 298th in the country at 14.7. That's got to be in the clearly in the bottom half of our conference, hands down. And that's the biggest thing Brian has mentioned a lot is turning it over way too much. Uh, and it has been a problem. So that speaks for itself. Uh, force turnovers, they are tight. See, that's the thing. They don't turn it over, but they don't force turnovers either. They only force about 11.7, which is close. And that just shows you how crazy it is. That's how they are 0.3 or 0.25 away from how many they they you know allow themselves or you know have themselves what they do offensively but 300 so they don't force them we force them a tie for 157 to 13.77 not too much more but we we know we do like to get active uh so in, in terms of the turnovers and the assists the ratio is 153rd in the country for Murray at 1.08 in a search of turnover. We are 209th at barely over one for every assist we turn it over. Uh, steals tied for 289th. Murray is at 5.6. We are tied for 78th with 8.1. We know we're pretty good at that. Like I said, Lance didn't have one at SEMO. There's games where we don't do a whole lot of it, but we know we're a great defensive team. So that's a good space to be your place to be and they are tied for 224th in blocks that's not very big with 2.9 you figure they block a little bit more shots than that but it's not like us we are 337th with 1.8 i've been talking about it endlessly how we don't shot block jd had one that might have been our only one we just don't do it we need to when scotty gets back i think we definitely will those three guys gonna have to carry us Cade at times hasn't been a whole lot of a shot blocker at seven feet, but those other three bigs have to carry us in that regard. Just to be better in the paint on defense, not saying you you need to be ranked high and stuff like this, it doesn't matter. But you these got to just do it a little better, clearly protect the paint more in that regard. And then Murray is tied for 66th in fouls per game at 15, and we are tied for 194th with 16.8. So we foul a lot more than they do. We know Clarence, touchy fouls, JD can have them. Uh, so they just happen. They do happen with us, and they. So Murray doesn't really do it. So the biggest takeaways are: make them force tough shots. They only. They are two. They are in the two hundreds in efficient field goal percentage, and one hundred sixty third in total percentage. And, you know, the biggest ranks that they are is they don't allow a whole lot of good percentages from the three point line. Uh, they're really good in the fast break. Uh, they're really good at putting up free throws per game. Uh, and they don't turn it over. So overall, you know, they play with some undiscipline, but they clearly uh, have their cons as a team, and dis some discipline-wise. But other than that, they're pretty steady. And I mentioned some of ours and what we're good at, so that's the main thing. And those are the biggest things to, to worry about in this game. And I just think there are a lot of tough matchups, and even odds seems – I think Rob Perry, Jamari Smith, and DJ Burns will be the toughest matchups. I think we can be okay against DJ, against Jacoby Wood and Kenny White and Quincy Anderson and Brian Moore. It's those other three that are going to wreak havoc on us, I think. Uh, and I mentioned they've been on the ropes in the 20-game home winning streak. Hoping we can do that. I'll touch on that again in a second. Dogs of the game. Noah gave me Lance, and before he was able to tell me, I was already thinking of mine, and that's exactly who it was. He's, Lance has to play well to match Rob Perry's production because maybe they're going to be on one another. Uh, you could say Marcus because these are the matchups that can give him fits. Uh, he's going to have Jamari on him. He's going to have a lot of different guys on him. needs to take advantage. Uh, I mean, I think we have to have good guard play because that's their, their strength. So X has to be has to be great. Dalton has to be good. Jawan's got to come in and score and play defense. That's going to be tough. And I honestly think we will drop this game. I'm just being honest. Because they don't lose at home, if they if they get and I granted we're better than Chicago State and Illinois State. A lot of people have picked us in this game, and I think even odds is perfect. I think it's going to come down to the final possession, but we allow runs. We can also get out on runs. If they feed off that crowd, I I don't think it's going to end well for us. Just the way we've been playing, I would love to see us win. Imagine us breaking that streak and getting you know our footing off and you know at the end of twenty twenty two and the twenty three. And full speed ahead in the conference season would be great. And I, I want to pick us to win, but I think we'll lose a close one, unfortunately, due to the fact that they're going to feed off the crowd, out-rebound us, 
and be able to, you know, we got to get, if we're not going to be able to shoot the three, which we're not doing in general well this year, but if they don't allow great, that's a good way to come back in the game. And if they don't allow it, then it's tough. Uh, so I'll say we'll lose a close game. I don't remember the last time I actually picked us to lose. I just think they're great at home. And, well, they don't win there when we go. I, we've gone to the last however many Murray games. But like I said, tomorrow's kind of up in the air if we're going or not. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be close. And so I'll go with Lance as well. Go with anybody. But I'll agree with Noah on Lance. He's got to match Rob Perry. That's the bottom line is I cannot wait to see what the, what the keys of the game are going to be. Is just play steady and you know, make them force tough shots. Don't leave their Quincy Anderson's their best shooter. Don't leave Jacoby Wood rebound and just defend at the high level. You know, you are, and don't let them feed off that crowd. Do not let them do it. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest takeaways from this, um, is that the, whatever meeting, this is a rivalry. We play them every other year. And now we play them every year. They're, we're one of the closest, uh, conference teams to one another, uh, so it definitely is a rivalry. Uh, Murray, Murray, having Murray in the conference is a great thing. They're going to bring a lot of fans to Arch Madness. It's going to be great. They've been a perfect match from the beginning. We know they're coming in football. It's a lot better fit basketball than it is in football. Uh, but like I said, even if we don't go, love going to Murray in general and just love the history, that, the recent history that they've had and the players they've produced. I mentioned Cam. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. He's getting his jersey retired uh, on the 14th. I thought it was this game, but it's not. Uh, so, I mean, they've had a lot of really good uh, guard alumni. As we know, John Morant's one of the best players in the NBA. So they find a way, and Steve Prom's done it at the Big 12 level and back when he was here and, you know, feeds off of guys, and they're going to be they're going to be hard to beat. And they be they'll be hard to beat when they come to Banterra Center, but it starts off at the place where they've won twenty straight. So hopefully we can, you know, break that streak and get going full speed ahead in the conference play and prove that we can win big games on the road. Because you know, losing to Indiana State at home, it's gonna be hard to win at home and center. Just thinking of matchups like that that we're gonna have to have, uh, and winning at U and I, winning at Drake, winning at Missouri State, it's gonna be tough to come by. And we go at Valpo, so. Road games should be tough this year. It'd be nice to get on the right foot in that regard in this one. Get the two and one in conference. Give Murray their first conference loss. Like I said, we're we beat them every time we've took Murray to overtime, and their Latin their first two conference games have gone overtime. Hopefully, we can get lucky. If it, I do think it'll come down to that final possession ish, uh, I think we'll lose a close one. But I'm hoping we clearly win. Hopefully, I can be proved wrong. So 134 and a half. Like I said, even odds for tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. If you can't make it. Usually, hopefully, we could bring a big crowd there tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Until we talk next time, as always, this was Nick Malone. Go Dawks.